Uh, we are uh, Jacob and Esau, part two, and I would like you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Last week, we began this little discussion about Jacob and Esau. And if you recall, they were two twins, and when Jacob was born, uh, he was the second of twins, and he was holding on to his brother Esau's heel as they were born. Esau was hairy, and his complexion and reddish, and he came uh, first, is born, and then along came Esau. I mean, Jacob came along after Esau. Well, it's an interesting story, as we talked about last week. We discovered that Isaac loved Esau, the father loved the, the first, and Rebekah, the mother, loved the second. And we saw that could create some serious problems within the family, if you were here discussing that. We also discovered, as we look farther in the text, we also find out that Esau despised his birthright. He wanted his freedom. In fact, the Bible says that he was a man who was godless. He was a person who was um, verse, and he did whatever he wished. He didn't want the burden and the responsibility of the birthright. Birthrights were incredibly important. And if you had your birthright, then you were the one who was supposed to take care of the finances, and you were supposed to take care of the family. You were supposed to be the spiritual leader. You were the one who divided the inheritance. You did all that, but that was all part. Esau didn't want any part of that. So the Bible says he despised that. You can read about that in chapter 25 if you were not here. It's all laid out there for you. But we're in chapter 27 today, and I'd like us to begin with the very first word, verse, chapter 27, verse 1. And when Isaac was old, and his eyes were weak, and that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and Esau said, Here I am, Esau answered. And Isaac said, I am now an old man, and do not know the day of my death. When that's going to happen. He's blind, he's old, it's the end of his life. He wants to take care of his affairs and take care of them. And now he goes on in verse 3, Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out into the open country, where he loved to hunt, to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me. Uh, the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. The blessing. I gave a series a couple, uh, some time ago, about the blessing, the importance of the blessing, and which parents need to pass on to their children. It's critically important that the blessing, the honor they've given to the child from the parent is very important to do, and I talked about that. There is a book out, and the book called The Blessing by Gary uh, Smalley and John Trent wrote this book about the importance of getting on the gift of unconditional love and acceptance. I encourage every parent to do that because there is an importance, the importance of the parental blessing, and it's never too late to give the blessing. Never too late. The importance that they passed on in the Old Testament about the blessing of giving to the child, no matter the age, it's important that a parent pass that on to their child. You can look at the back and past sermons and pick that up. Well, back in chapter 27, back in chapter 27, it says, now Rebecca was listening. Now there's a problem, because Rebecca loved Jacob, and Isaac loved Esau, and Isaac thought it was extremely important that he pass on the birthright 
to his oldest son. That was the tradition. That's the way it was done. And in order to honor that, he'd give his son, hoping his son would accept the importance. Remember, he'd already sold away his birthright to Jacob for some lentils. Well, Isaac said, no, that, that means nothing to me. I'm going to give it. Well, Rebecca, Rebecca's listening, said, no, 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 the birthright should go to Jacob. Should go to Jacob. So she, Rebecca called her son, Jacob, and said, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give my blessing in the presence of the Lord, importance, the presence of the Lord, before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I will tell you. Go into the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And then take uh, it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Rebecca was planning to deceive her husband Isaac. Wouldn't that not be fair? But isn't it God's plan? Wasn't it God's plan that Jacob should have the birthright? Was it not? If you know the story, it wasn't. So, in actual fact, wasn't she simply doing God's will? She was just fulfilling God's will, see? She knew it was supposed to go to Jacob. That was the promise that was given. He was the actual one that was going to go through the lineage to go all the way down to Christ. So, wasn't it a good thing that perhaps, yes, he was doing God's will. You know, that kind of follows that great Bible text, God helps those who help themselves. Oh, you know that's not in the Bible, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That great biblical writer, Benjamin Franklin, in Poor Richard's Almanac, he actually got it from somebody in England. But Rebecca's plan... Was it God's plan? They had the same, same goal, same goal to get to the same result, to get to the same purpose. Wasn't that not the same? Wouldn't that not be the same? And now I would like to share with you, clearly no, it was not. Talk more about it in a moment. Verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is hairy. Well, I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me and I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing? Can you sense that Jacob is sensing there's something wrong here? You get that? He's kind of sensing, this isn't going the way it should be. There's something in deception and something that doesn't ring true. It's not right to be doing that. So how are we going to do this to get past that? What if he touches me? What would be the objection? His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. And Jacob obeyed his mother. And what ended that? You see, the fix was in. The fix was in. So he went and got the two goats and brought them back. She cooked the dinner. She knew that she had a plan, what if he touched him? So she took skins and she carefully made them so around his neck and on his arms. So if he got touched, he would feel the hair of the animals and they might be able to trick the blind dad who could not see. 
And then verse 17 says, And then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread that she had made. And he went into his father and said, My father, yes, my son. He answered, Who is it? And Jacob answered and said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Lie number one. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of the game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And he answered, well, the Lord God gave me uh, sources, gave me success, he replied. You see, he dragged God into it to justify what he was doing. So he said, you know, I, God helped me. That's why. Oh, yes. When you use that spirit thing, who's going to argue against that? Well, God gave me this. Yes. Well, that's hard to argue against, you know. And say, well, God does do things, wonderful miracles like that. So, so how's that going to play out? So, the, so it, 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 it helped, you see, the argument. And then Isaac said to uh, Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are my son Esau or not. And Isaac, sensing that this might not go so quiet at the moment, he was he's sensing things might get, get really rough here. And he said, this, this, is, this may not pan out. And, and I'm going to be in trouble here. But he went close to his father, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. Did you see that? It's the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands, it should say, of Esau. He did not recognize him. For his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. And then he asked him, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Lie after lie after lie. And then he said, my son, then, then bring me some of your game to eat so that I may bless you. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought him some wine and they drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he got the scent, the smell of Esau, he blessed him because Jacob was wearing Esau's clothes. Amazing story. Isn't it interesting how in this particular case, the Bible laid out the dirty laundry of the family for all of us to read. Now someday, let's suppose that you're going to run into Rebecca. What are you going to say? Hi. I was there in Naples, and I happened to be reading your story. What in the world were you thinking? Or what about Jacob? Jacob. What were you thinking? I remember my mother, when she would we'd travel somewhere, and, and we would go to some social occasion or something, a wedding or something, and car would pull up and dad would stop the car and all six of us were packed into the car and, and my mother would say, now we don't have to laundry our dirty laundry here. We don't have to put it out and tell everybody. And she meant, you know, we don't have to spill the beans on everything that happens. Do you do that at your house? 
You come around and you speak, you, you know, let's be careful what you say. We don't have to spill everything. My, my sister, of course, I never would. But my sister just, you know, anything that came to her head came right on out. When she comes, would you please not tell her that story? <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Esau comes back. He prepares his meal. He goes in and takes it into his father. And his father says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've already given the blessing. You've been here before. No, it wasn't me. I just, I just came in. I just got here. He says, well, I'm so sorry. I've already given the blessing to your brother. And the blessing of the birthright, the birthright blessing could not be passed on. It was done. The contract had been made before God. And it was done. When Esau heard this, he was so disappointed, he cried out and heard his father's words. He burst out with a loud and bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. You hear the pain? Bless me too, please, something, please. But he said to him, Isaac said to him, your brother came deceitful and took your blessing. And Esau said, verse 36, isn't, it he, isn't he rightfully named Jacob? Why? Deceiver. Rightly named Deceiver. This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. Would you like to have Jacob as a business partner? Would we ask Jacob to be a leader in our church? The deceiver. Not trustworthy. Not going to get dealt with honestly. You never know, he may be pulling the wool over our eyes. And Esau, verse 41, held a grudge against Jacob. And he said to himself, I will kill my brother Jacob. And as a result, Jacob had to flee. And the anguish and the pain in that family I, I, I'm just done because it kind of reflects the anguish and the pain in some of our families, doesn't it? I was reading Patriarchs and Prophets, and notice this, would you please? Notice this. From the hour when he received the birthright, from the hour in which he received the birthright, Jacob was weighed down with self-condemnation. He had sinned against his father, his brother, his own soul, and against God. In a short one hour... He had made work of a lifelong repentance. This scene was vivid before him in uh, after years when the wicked course of his own sons oppressed his souls. And I thought to myself, what a terrible, sad story that is. What a terrible, sad story. 
And I think, you know, <laughs> Jacob, my lands. I don't know if I'd count you as a friend, Jacob. Would we all agree that Jacob made a huge mistake? Wouldn't we? He made a huge mistake. That affected the rest of his life. It was so grievous, his mistake. So grievous and that, it, that it didn't allow him to live in joy and peace for many, many years. It affected everything from his relationships with his brother, with his mother, with his family, with his wives. Everything, everything was affected because of that huge mistake. It spoke of his character. And as I was thinking about this, people make huge mistakes. Huge. Perhaps you or someone has made huge mistakes. Things that have you can't reverse. They set a course you can't reverse. Thought at the moment, um, or maybe you didn't, or maybe you just went your willful way, or maybe you knew it was wrong, or whatever. Huge mistake. And you go on. And I was thinking, okay, that being the case, so where do we go from there about it? And I looked at it and said, well, our church is to be a place of refuge. It, it says that. It's to be a place of refuge for people who've made huge mistakes. And a refuge is not a place where they're going to get shamed for your huge mistake. Refuge is a place where you can find someone who can help you where you can be at peace, where you can be hidden, where you won't be shamed. Makes a huge difference. David went and hid himself after his thing with Bathsheba and killing him. Troubled the rest of his life. And he pleaded with God to be a kasau, be a place of hiding for him. He went to God to let God be his refuge. Because he knew God, hated the sin, but loved the sinner. You seen this statue? Statue of Liberty. There's a, at the bottom, there's a plaque. I'm sure you've heard about it. By Emma Lazarus wrote this, these words that are there on a plaque at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty. Not like brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land. Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand, 
a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name mother of exiles from her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor of Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands, your storied pomp, she cries with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuge of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp by the golden door. Can that plaque, that statue, stand at the doorway of our church? Can that plaque and statue stand at the doorway of your home? Can that plaque and statue stand at the doorway of your heart. Would you welcome Jacob in the deceiver to give him a place of refuge? Next week, the fugitive. Our Father, I thank you. I thank you for this story. It's a painful story. Oh, we're separated, we're distant away, but it isn't that hard, Lord, to find stories similar because we live in a world of pain, brokenness of people who have made huge mistakes many of them within our own families. But may our home, our hearts, our church be a place of refuge where people can come, where people can know they'll be safe here. And they can lay down that huge mistake and the burden that they carry and be accepted with love and tenderness and forgiveness. But that's what you offer. May your, we, your children, reflect that as well. That we can welcome the Jacobs of this world. In the name of our Savior, amen.